Cheers. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Everybody all right? Lovely jubbly. Um, if you heard this before, pretend like you haven't heard it. Um, no, joking, not joking, you can do what you want. Um, sorry, I just had another cup of coffee, forgive me. Um, let's jump straight into this. Let's, uh, if we jump to Mark 5, 25 to 34. If you've got your Bibles turned there, we'll bang it off on the screen. We good? Great. Here we go. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she'd spent everything she had to pay them. But she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who'd done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Um, the, uh, the line, I suppose, which this whole little time together kind of rotates around is desperate people do. Desperate people do. Does that make sense? Desperate people do. I, um, I suppose the, uh, the question I was asking earlier was, <laughs> actually, with that kind of statement, the question is, are we desperate enough? Do you want to write that down? If, if you are taking notes, scribble that down. Um, I always believe that questions are important, more important than the answers, because you don't get the right answers without the right questions. And also when you write down questions at times like this, even if you forget this big six or four black guy in five years' time, you'll read the question and it'll generate the same chain of thought. So when you write it down, am I, am I desperate enough? And you, can make, you might, underneath that, might, might run to write down faith-wise, marriage-wise, pursuit of God. That's always a good one to write down. In prayer. There's so many different areas. Are we desperate enough? Um, another great statement, which I'm just going to release this morning, is my dad makes the best porridge. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He makes the best oatmeal porridge. Um, I was 15. Um, those were secondary school days, hated school. So porridge was quite a comfort for me, um, waking up to get ready for school. Um, and um, my dad would uh, normally, at dinner time, dessert time, he would say, when we finished dessert, he'd say, hey, guys, before you wake up, I'll start cooking. Who wants porridge in the morning? I'll start cooking porridge. No brainer. I'm going to go, yes, I want porridge. Because he would do the whole porridge and some nutmeg on top, sugar in it. Uh, uh, uh. and um <laughs> that means it's good um and um and with and so so for me in at night time well still at the dinner table actually my mum would then go every now and then she'd turn to me in fact the first time she would do it she'd go hey no problem your dad offered you porridge that's all good uh, jake make sure you wash the dishes and wash the pots i was the type of guy who let the pots soak you know it's important right Right, you know, certain husbands here are feeling nervous. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Um, you. You know, I like to let them soak, you know, so you can wash them the day after. Anyway, um, I would then pop next door uh, when everyone's, you know, winding down watching EastEnders and blah, blah, blah. And um, I'd be playing computer until <clears throat> two hours, three hours later. And then I'd be like, oh, I'll wash the dishes in the morning. And I'll go to bed. 
that's not a problem until you wake up the next morning, you're smelling oatmeal, nutmeg. Oh my gosh, God is good. You've woken up, you're looking out the window, it's cold. So you're like, Jesus, it's okay because I'm going to go downstairs and eat porridge and it's going to be great and I'm going to have a great day because that porridge is great. You get downstairs now, your little sister, three years younger than you, is looking at you, finished her porridge. She looks at you smiling. My little sister shouldn't be smiling at me this time of morning. What has she done? That's my first thought. The second thing is, dad's already left, and mum sat there, porridge finished. I'm looking at the table, no bowl of porridge. I'm like, it's okay, there's a pot, my dad likes to eat from the pot, I like to eat from the pot. There's probably my porridge in the pot. I go to the kitchen, nothing in the pot. I've come back, my mum is a teacher. When your mum is a teacher, there's a lesson in everything. Yay! So I've come back now, and I've gone, mum, uh, uh, you know... And you know what? You, if you're one of these parents, I love you with the love of the Lord. You know what she does? She, she does this thing where she'll go, yeah, what's the matter? It's like, why are we doing this? You, you know what I'm... She, do, yes, son? Um, where's my porridge? Oh, your porridge. Oh, well, basically, the pot that did get washed in the end was only big enough to provide porridge for us. Jesus, take the wheel. I said, I, I said, so, so then I'm looking at mum and I'm going, in my mind, well, out loud, I go, oh, in my mind, I'm going, mum, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I'm angry. I'm angry and I'm trying to find every good word I can say. I'm angry at my mum because she's teaching me a lesson in something that I don't, I don't need this at seven o'clock in the morning before a long day at school. Life is hard when you're 15. So then I go and find dad and I'm like, yo, dad. We're on the same team. It's us against them. Where's my porridge, pups? And dad says, happy wife, happy life. Bro, I'm sorry I can't help you. So I realize now that I am stood before my mum. And the thing is, my mum hears the conversation. And she says, everything okay afterwards? And my sister still sat there smiling at me. You know, I was on a journey of faith at 15, huh? So I'm giving you the uh, polite version what was going on in my mind um so then my mum says it's okay son there's bran flakes in the cupboard someone said oh you know the struggles bruh <laughs> bruh um so i go for bran flakes and there's no sugar cold milk bran flakes no sugar cold long day ahead life was great not i i realized what was promised to me was completely mine. But there was something I had to do in order to get that thing. And if I was desperate enough, I would have been proactive with my actions in order to grab hold what was entitled to me. That's good parenting, and that's how our good, good father works. There are things which you've been promised, there are things which God has said, hey, this is yours. But what are you willing to do in order to grab a hold of that? There are things as individuals, there are things as married couples, there are things as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as, as people in industry. There are things which God has said, hey, you can excel. There are, there, there, there are ways in which I want to excel you in the same way I did for Daniel, in the same way I did for Esther. But what are you willing to do in order to grab a hold of that? Are you desperate enough? There are things which you're believing God for in your marriage, and God is saying, are, are you desperate enough to align your finance, align your actions, your time management? in order to grab a hold of the thing that I've already promised you? Or are you going to sell for brand flakes? 
Let's go back to the story real quick. Mark 5, 25, 26. What we're going to do is we're just going to work through this portion of scripture. You know, this, uh, this actual story, actually, I've heard it many times, I was saying earlier, and actually, a lot of the time, it's about, um, I found people normally focus on the fact that this woman had faith enough to believe that Jesus could heal her. So she had faith, and she got to Jesus, and she was healed. But there's a part in, in between which we often overlook, which is she had to move. She had to press through something. She had to... She had to be physical with her faith and do something in order to receive what was already hers. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Hence, desperate people do. Mark 5, 25 says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. Desperation puts you True desperation puts you in a mindset, in a paradigm of risk. You start being willing to take risk when you are truly desperate. A great definition of the word desperation is a state of despair, typically one which results in rash or extreme behavior. I um, I realized after my uh, victimization, or that incident, sorry, with the porridge... <coughs> I realized next time my desperation will be actions. I realized if I want something bad enough, I will sacrifice my gaming. I will sacrifice whatever it takes to, in order to make sure that I'm ready for when my time comes around. I suppose, again, it comes up, are we desperate enough? Why don't you just jot down what you're believing God for in this season and what you've believed in God for for the past how many years? The first thing that comes to mind is often the thing that the Holy Spirit really wants to deal with. So why don't you just jot that down? What have you been believing God for? What things have been on your mind? What things have been in the forefront of your prayers? In fact, what things have you forgotten? That's often a good one. I found in my journey of faith, there are things I've actually forgotten that God said he was going to sort out because I just, oh, well, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Then I had to repent and say, God... You're not a man that you should lie. Forgive me for not having the faith to believe that you will fulfill what you spoke. What things have you been believing God for? What things are you still waiting on God for? What wife have you been waiting for? What husband have you been waiting for? If you got one, you should be waiting for another one. <laughs> a state of despair, typically one which results in rash or extreme behavior. Here's the thing. Culturally, according to Leviticus, a Jewish woman with an issue of blood should not be in that environment with other people around. Typically, according to law, if you, from the moment she would have started bleeding, seven days in that time, if, if, if you're bleeding, in that time, you're not supposed to touch the chair, something she sat on, not supposed to be around that woman. Otherwise, you make yourself unclean. We're dealing with adults here, right? So... Hence, we're just, we're just going to be real about this. On the eighth day, you're supposed to offer up uh, sacrifices, whether it be pigeons or doves, to atone for your impurity. If you come into contact with someone in certain ways, that person's unclean. And according to Jewish law, when you break Jewish law, well, Jesus broke Jewish law a few times in things that he did and said. But because he was operating in kingdom, they couldn't hold anything on him. 
But when a woman who was caught in adultery, P.S., where's the guy? When, which, when a woman was caught in adultery, hey girl. Um, when a woman was caught in adultery, the result was stone her. Jewish law was harsh. The punishment of breaking Jewish law was harsh. And she was fully aware of that. Yet her rash, her, her irrational behavior and her desperation combined, she was willing to be in a place where she wasn't supposed to be to get what she wanted and what was already promised her. You still with me? Let's go on. Mark 5, 27 to 28. It said she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. What have you heard about your God? As a PK, pastor, any PKs in the house? Yo! PKs have issues, y'all. We got issues. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. You know, you know what? No, okay, I'll put it like this. Because we have such a spiritual inheritance, the enemy likes to come after us. Hallelujah! But on my journey of faith, hearing stories, someone's shaking their head like, yeah, whatever, bro. Um, on my journey of faith, I've heard many promises and God has spoken many things. I've been in many sermons which say, hey, God has said this, it's yours, claim it. Lay, reach out your hand and stretch a hold of it and it's yours and say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Yeah, we all watch TBN, we all watch God Channel. And you know, me as a millennial, as, a, as someone who's been in church, I, I think I, I went from hospital straight to church when I was born. Like, I've heard it all before. And so you can become complacent. And what you heard of God, you start to not even doubt, just straight not believe. I wasn't even asking questions. There have been sermons I've sat in, up, even up until recently, in the past two months, where I'm like, all right, bro. Oh, you're going to go there in the sermon. Oh, okay. Because I've heard it before. Of recent, I was saying earlier in the last service, actually recently I was asked to speak. And, um, and I was talking about faith, an element of faith. I was asked to share that in my church back home. And, and the week before, our lead pastor back home, he was preaching just about how he rose up and laid a hold of, of a healing and he was praying out. And I was sat there going, okay, okay, in my mind, obviously not out loud. I'm not that ruthless. Um, and, um, and I realized during the week, well, the Holy Spirit, he gave me a polite slap because I realized I was, I'd become complacent. And I was about to come and preach the next Sunday and preach something that I didn't even consistently practice. That's not authenticity. That's not worshiping the God, our God in spirit and in truth, truth being honestly. That's not honest. That's hypocrisy. And so I was brought to a place of repentance again, and I, 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 it's my house. I can do what I want. And in my quiet time, it turned loud. I was just shouting out, God, I believe you. I, I was calling that I believe you. And then I started going through my phone and, and, uh, and, and searching all the words I could find that I sent to myself in my emails and just reading them out. I said, I believe you. With that, I believe you. Not even just I believe in your word and what you said. I believe you. It's relational. Our faith is relational. That's what separates Christianity from so many other religions. This is relationship. I believe you. I believe you. 
I was willing to now operate in a, from a place that I'd heard stuff of God. I'd said I know God for myself. Now, I know God for myself. He said certain things. I believe it. And I'm willing to move based on what I've heard. What are you willing to do based on what you know and what you've heard about God? James says in scripture, faith without works is dead. Incomplete, not done. He could have said that, incomplete or not done. It just doesn't happen. But he said dead, the opposite of alive. As in your prayer and your fasting is here. But if there's no works, that prayer and fasting counts for nothing. Dead. He didn't mince his words. I didn't say that. He said that. Some people are like, oh, that's discouraging. How can you say that? I mean, some people have got good hearts. Good for you. Scripture says this. You've prayed through things. Maritally, you've prayed through things concerning your children and their upbringing. You've prayed through things in terms of breakthroughs you want to see. You've even fasted. Great. You've gone without food or gone without Netflix. Good for you. I mean, Netflix is a big deal. Good for you. <laughs> but when was the last time you said, hey, to your wife or to your husband, hey, babe, look, you see our financial, where we're aiming for financially right now? We're going to sacrifice this and we're going to change that and we're going to do that in order to respond to what God said about our marriage. We're believing our children to be politicians in this country, so we need to save up in order for them to go to certain schools, so we're going to align our finance based on what God has spoken about our children. Hey, concerning me and you, where we go, we want to be in a place where where we hit 50, 60, where we can retire and minister to others and give money away. So what sacrifices do we need to do now in order to fulfill the purpose and the mandate of God later on down the line? As believers, our desperation often points to faith, but we cannot stop there. We still have to move. Let's go on, Mark 5, 29 to 30. You still with me? Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? I am... I was saying earlier, this, this blows my mind. A woman at a point of desperation did. She, she responded. She, she acted culturally, irrationally. She did what was illegal. I'm not encouraging you to do something illegal, by the way. She did what was illegal according to culture then. She did what was counterculture. Push for a crowd to demand something of a healer. She believed, she moved, she demanded. It didn't say she went up to him and said, hey, it's me, in his ear. You know, you know, you know, <laughs> we used to do that at school, you know, you come up to someone, just to shock them, you come up, I went to an all boys school and um, we'd play silly games, I'd come up to someone and go, hey babe. <laughs> just, just to get their attention, you know. She didn't do that. She didn't come up softly behind him and say, hey, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what's going on this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> she simply pushed through. With all, and, and bearing in mind, Jesus was known to walk with his squad, the 12. In fact, there were more, but the 12 were at the core. So she had to push through a 12 bunch, a 12 group, load of kingdom gangsters <laughs> to get to and demand and pull on and touch and pull on what he carried. She demanded of the anointing and the power that Jesus carried.
in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of everyone, in the midst of what's going on in your life, in the midst of what's going on in this church, God is still waiting for you to move and demand and grab a hold of what he's promised you. Some people think by being in the right place, I'm going to get what I have. She was in the right place. She was within, within reach of Jesus. But she still had to align her actions with her faith. Here's the thing. I feel Jesus, son of God, knowing all things, was fully aware. And in the midst of the crowd, on his way to serve someone else, he's going, let me see what she's going to do. Right now, two or three are gathered, and so our God is here. And I believe God is saying, let me see what you're going to do. Let me see what you're going to believe. This big black guy's talking, let me see how much you're going to hold on to this. Let me see if you're desperate enough to hold on to this and not let it, let it go by. My wife, she's a Nigerian. She goes, um, <coughs> she's born in, in the UK. She says she's a Nigerian, but she's a fake Nigerian. Um, <coughs> um, she's not here, so I can say that. This isn't being recorded, is it? No, 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 no. And in her church, she grew up as a majority black church. She's pumping one of those Pentecostals. It's actually one of the bigger churches in London. Maybe like 2,000, 3,000 people every Sunday, uh, for, per service. And um, they do this thing where um, when the pastor, Pastor Matthew, when he speaks off the pulpit and he says, this thing here that God has brought is yours. And um, normally people go up and they stand up where they are and they go, yep, it's mine. And they hold on to it. And here's the thing. If you're sitting down and, some, and, you're, and you're not standing up and someone, and I see that and you're still sitting down, I'll go, thank you, Lord. And it, oh, it's mine. <laughs> and, it's, and, and the thing is, Pastor Matthew will highlight that and he encourages him to do it. Someone's sitting down, they don't want it. Take it. It's yours. The righteous take it by foot. Take it. <laughs> what he's actually teaching them there is a faith dynamic. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to see change? How bad do you want to see uh, people, relationships develop in order for you to see souls saved right here in Dubai in the desert? How badly do you want to see this church flourish and grow? Why are you waiting for it to grow when we're next door in that building? Why don't you see it overflow here? Have good problems. Have kingdom problems. How bad do you want it? Are you desperate enough to take things which ain't even yours according to man? God's saying, I'm waiting for you to respond. God's saying, I'm waiting for you to move. Stop looking at yourself. See past the crowd of emotions, the crowd of your situation. Walk by faith and not what you see and get to where you're supposed to be and grab a hold of what is already yours. That is what Jesus is waiting for you to demand of him. That is good parenting. My mom was teaching me a principle of be proactive with your actions in order to grab hold of what is already yours. I believe Jesus in this story is teaching be proactive with your faith, not reactive. Don't wait till you're in a rut. Be proactive with your faith, even when what you see says you don't need to be. Walk by faith and not by. Not by means opposite. Faith and not by sight. Don't see it as a, oh, we walk by faith. Oh, I believe. And not by sight is the PS. No, not by is the focus. The sight is the thing you're supposed to avoid. You still with me? Her faith was complete when she stepped out and went beyond what she knew to grab a hold of Jesus. I am, last service I waited till the end to reach out to people who don't know Jesus. Right here, I'm just gonna, if there's anyone in the room who's been invited, you are more than welcome here. This is a safe place. But I I, I wanna say to you, um, whatever you heard about Jesus is true. 
And if you're willing to take a risk, you'll get more than you bargained for. I've never met someone who meets Jesus and goes, that was the worst decision of my life. And the world knows that, you know? There are people out there that know that. And they, 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 they on, on purpose, they purposefully ensure that people are put off the whole idea of Jesus. Because they know no one ever meets him and says that was a bad idea. Life might get hard. Life might actually become more intense. But no one ever says that was the worst thing I've ever done. Unless there's a spirit of rebelliousness in that person. And they were forced to do something that they didn't want to do. Anyone who willingly steps out and goes, hey, let me try this whole Jesus. Apparently, God, I, I think, I believe you're real. That's what I've heard of you. If you're real, come on. Whenever someone has taken that risk, they see the extraordinary. I've been saying the past two or three years, there's a little phrase I've had spinning around in my head and I've been sharing with people that, that I mentor and do, do life with. Nothing extraordinary happens without risk. Business-wise, faith-wise, nothing extraordinary happens without you going beyond what you've known. This place, this land, this desert that we know in Dubai is known for luxury, known for comfortability. You can live a good life here. But God's calling us to lead a risky, dangerous life. Faith in the boat will never compare to faith out on the water. When you step out of the boat, it's dangerous. When a disciple says, Jesus, are you calling me? If you're calling me, then call me out of the boat. If it's, if it's you, call me out of the boat. When he steps out of the boat, he's on the waves. That's why I feel like this is just flowing. This picture here, what was shared earlier, it's out on the waves where it's the most dangerous place. But you're closer to Jesus than you realize. I've often said to people, did we think that actually when a disciple takes his eyes off Jesus and says, oh Lord, I'm sick, help me. Jesus goes, oh, no problem, see you in the tiny, bro, bye. He never does that. Even when you take risk and step out, in the same way, he could have said to this woman, babe, you push through the crowd, good for you, but yeah, nah, yeah, yeah I'm pure, babe, leave it. I, don't touch me. He doesn't do that. Even in risky places, when you step out, Jesus goes, oh, I see your faith and I will raise you. Literally. This is the king that we are dealing with. What have you settled for? What have you settled for? Last service, I was sharing this and I made apology. Sorry, guys, this isn't a nice word. Sorry, not sorry. Our king is waiting for you to move with your family, with your business, whatever you, he's saying, yo, check out what I said about you. And if you haven't had a thus saith the Lord moment, there's plenty of promises in his word. Check out what I've written about you. Now align your, your actions, your whole life with that and see what happens. What will you do to see your faith satisfied? Maybe if you're writing, you just write that question down. What will I do? What am I willing to do to see my faith satisfied? I'm going to recap just three questions. Again, questions are important. I believe questions are important. Scripture says the heart of God to hide a matter. It's the heart of a king to seek out a matter. Questions are important. First question, what am I believing for? 
Second question, do my actions match my faith? Third question, probably the most harsh one, what have I settled for? There are always going to be seasons um, where we have opportunities to push through what we see and grab a hold of what is actually ours. As I'm sharing with you now, I'm thinking, what would have happened if she thought, no, 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 no. I can't. They'll kill me. I can't do this. What would have happened? Where would she have seen another opportunity like that again? When Jesus is passing by. There was another man in the Bible who said, son of David. Son of David. Called out to Jesus passing by. Here I am. Jesus right now is passing by. We are spiritual people. We know and we sense God. I sense God in the room right now. And if you want to kneel, if you want to stand, do what you want to do. But Jesus is passing by. We don't need to do an organized altar call. We can just deal with our king, face value. Right now, respond. This might be unreserved for you. This might be a bit, oh, I don't know, I've never done this before. Don't be British about it. Jesus is passing by. we just close our eyes we have some form of liability insurance here so it's okay if you want to move to the aisle and kneel it's okay if you want to face a wall if you want to just stand where you are Jesus here he comes he's passing by what have you heard about him what do you want don't make out like you don't want anything don't make out like you don't want anything that's why you're here isn't it this Friday morning look how much you could have been doing we say we're waiting here for you. Oh, come on. Don't make her like you don't want anything. You know you're desperate. You know there's something that you need. He's passing. This is an emotional. This is a real thing. That's why you're here. Let go of that foolishness, the lie that says, oh, yeah, cool, man, great work. Let that go for a second and actually focus on what this is about. Him, you are here because he is real. That's what you say, no? He's passing by. A desperate person calls out, son of David. A desperate person, a person who's willing to do whatever it takes, says, son of David, don't forget me. I'm here. A desperate person says, you know what? Stuff how I feel. Stuff where we are. Right now, I'm pouring out my oil. My alabaster joy. I'm breaking what everything that value that I find. I'm letting it go right now. Jesus, I just want you. I'm desperate enough to give what costs me to get more of you. I just want you, you know. Jesus, only you. There's no time to be polite when Jesus is passing by. There's no time to think twice in case people say, oh, I'm impure because you are by. There's no time to think about that. He's calling for a desperate generation of believers who are willing to be uncomfortable and take risk here in the desert. Why should we conform to what we know around us? That's not faith. Faith does come on right where you are. It's okay if you want to call out, do what for once. Be unpolite about your faith. Don't wait till a song is being sung. Things you've held for years. That's rubbish. Jesus wants you free. 
He cares about how you feel. Yes, he does, but he cares more about what you're willing to do in order for me to help you and be free. To those in the room that don't know God and, and have come because you've been invited, it's great that you're here, but you know you're searching for something more. You've been holding on to yourself and God is saying, come on, give me a try. There's more to you know it. That's why you're here. What do you want? You might have never done this before, but I dare you just to close your eyes and posture yourself. We're dealing with God here. He made the stars, the heaven. Just posture and say, you know what, God, you're real. This guy's saying, you're real. I've heard you. Real. That's why I'm here. Come on then. I dare you to tell him, hey, God, it's me. Apparently, you know everything about me. Come on then. Right where you are. Holy Spirit, break out in this place. Holy Spirit, break out in this place. Holy Spirit, come, move, and break out in this place. Holy Spirit, come, move, and stir living, uh, rivers of living water just be released right now. Songs of deliverance. Holy Spirit, come and, and cause there to be an uproar, a holy frustration for, and a yearning, a desperation. Holy Spirit, come right now and cause people to be shifted, to be made uncomfortable in order to see a move of God. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, more. Spirit of the living God, fall, fall, fall. Stir up. Come on. 